Fierce Women Writing is a partner of We Need Diverse Books, a nonprofit that advocates for diversity in children's and young adult publishing at every level. They have many programs that support this mission, including grants, mentorships, and retreats for writers, classroom book giveaways, an app for diverse book recommendations, and others. Learn how you can help them put more books featuring diverse characters into the hands of all children at weneeddiversebooks.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Elmar. Elmar is the author of two thrillers, The Missing Sister and Lies We Bury. She believes representation matters, and as a first-generation Chinese-American on her father's side, she's passionate about including mixed-race, Asian-American characters who look like her in her novels. Originally from Sacramento, Elmar graduated from UC San Diego before moving to France, where she earned a master's degree from the Sorbonne University in Paris. She and her family live in Oregon. Here's Elmar, reading from her new thriller, Lies We Bury. Secrets never stay buried for long. Photography won't allow it for one thing. The shutter of a camera captures moments that would have otherwise gone unseen, like that photo of a lone Jewish woman staving off the Israeli army before they nearly trample her, or that shot of a man jumping, falling from the World Trade Center. If a camera snaps long enough and in the right location, anything can be unearthed, documented, and preserved for all time. In my case, I needed only seven years before I came to light. Images of me trembling in a torn blanket and two small shoes were plastered across newspapers, then the internet, hair washed but matted because I had just woken up, eyes wild like the feral animals so many compared us to in the headlines afterward. I had been born in captivity, unbeknownst to our neighbors who, in interviews, said we had the nicest lawn on the street. Secrets have a way of breaking free, but when they do, their shame lingers, like the smell of rotten meat sauce even some 20 years later. I brush back a strand of hair that's come loose from my messy bun. Green pine trees in the distance sway against the rolling breeze, creating a natural horizon between Portland city blocks and the suburbs over the hill. The trees were the first thing I noticed upon moving here two weeks ago from the flat, dry desert of Southern Oregon. Claire? A woman with short, tight curls stands at the double doors of a white brick building, the Portland Post. Are you Claire Lou? I step forward as though I've always answered to this name, cross my fingers that, this time, my secrets might last a while. Yes, hi. Claire is my middle name, and I changed my last name to my grandmother's maiden name when I was 18. Self-inflicted cigarette burns, failed adolescent attempts at exerting control, Peek from beneath my pushed-up sleeve. I tuck my inner elbow into my left side to avoid the woman's notice. She shakes my hand. Red lipstick amplifies the lines framing her mouth. Thanks so much for your quick help, Claire. Our regular faux talk is out on PTO this weekend, and no one bothered to set up coverage for him. I'm Pauline, editor-in-chief. We spoke on the phone yesterday. She ushers me past an empty lobby and through another door. Desks with stout cubicles occupy the floor, while two offices and a stairwell line the back wall. Pauline heads into one of the offices. She slides behind a plain beige laminate desk, 
then motions to the cushioned folding chairs in front. I'll cut to the chase. We're swamped with local events coming up and you've got an eye for wide shots. The work you did at Firenze Winery in Newburgh was good. Think you can manage this list at the Rose City Parade tomorrow morning? She hands me a sheet of paper. I nod, reviewing the shots they're looking for. Pauline expands on what journalistic style the editorial team prefers as a cramp forms in my stomach. Landing a gig with the Portland Post is a jackpot. I know it. But I'd immediately gotten cold feet after answering their job listing for photographers on a major freelancer website. Pauline must have been desperate because she emailed me an hour later, ignoring the glaring lack of live event coverage in my portfolio. A voice inside me insisted that I wasn't good enough, that I would disappoint this industry professional and burn a potential bridge. But for once, I let optimism take over. If I could get in good with a news outlet like the Portland Post and work up a steady income, I might be able to stop sneaking into Costco to fill up on samples with the expired membership card I found behind my apartment. Pauline leans back and places her hands flat on the desk. Money details are up next. I always recognize when someone is about to stiff me. Given your limited experience with this kind of event, I'd be willing to offer you a dollar per photo, however many we decide to buy from you. Does that work? I, my usual freelance sessions are significantly, Pauline clasps her hands together. That's the best we can do right now. And I had several photographers respond to my ad. If you want to think about it, I can schedule other appointments. No, that's fine. I'll take it. I plaster a tight smile on my face, then fold up the shot list. A dollar per is so much less than I was hoping for, especially given the scowl that the property manager lobbed at me when I was leaving the apartment complex today. He's been trying to get the last $200 of my security deposit. I promised I would pony up after I borrowed money from my sister, unbeknownst to Janessa. We have a coffee date after this meeting, but she thinks it's to catch up since we haven't seen each other in years. Pauline walks me to the front door. On the way out, we pass a dusty bowl of fruit and I pocket an orange out of pure habit. Heat flushes my neck as a man looks up from a nearby cubicle, his brow scrunches. I hurry to exit the building before anything else goes wrong, like Pauline offering me less money or this guy recognizing me. If anyone would, it would be a reporter. I return to my car and begin the slow drive through downtown, considering all the ways in which tomorrow's photo shoot could go wrong. Rarely do I wake, I wake up that early on a Sunday, so I'll have to set two alarms tonight. At a red light, I scan the storefronts along the sidewalk. A chalkboard outside a bar advertises cheap happy hour, and next to it, in the alcove of a brewery entrance, sits a stuffed animal, a black and white penguin that used to star in a children's animated TV show during the late 90s and early aughts. One arm is missing. A red stain covers its throat. I blink, willing my eyes to focus to make the details that shouldn't be possible disappear. Is that? The car behind me honks. I pull forward through the green light and park at the curb a half block up. Craning my neck to look behind me, I fumble in the well of the back seat until my fingers land on the fixed strap of my camera case. I walk the hundred feet back to the brewery where the penguin sits propped against the brick wall. The second arm is nowhere in sight and the red stain looks suspiciously like pasta sauce, exactly like the Petey the penguin I owned as a child. A chill ripples across the exposed skin of my forearms. Before I think better of it, I reach out to touch the toy. The material is soft yet flat in spots. It's been used, loved, 
Lifting it up, I scan its bottom and spot a name written on the tag in permanent marker, Barry. A wave of illogical relief sluices over me. Not the same plush I asked my mother to grab 20 years ago when she, my sisters, and I escaped Chet's basement, in which the police probably have stored as evidence in a cardboard box. Something about the penguin, seated outside the glass doors of a brewery, seems poetic, thought-provoking, like innocence contrasting adulthood, who we were then and who we were now, who I was then and the functioning ball of self-loathing I am now. I step back to the curb's edge. Raising the cannon I saved up for by working four different jobs concurrently for three years, I angle the lens another 15 degrees off-center until the light strikes the scene perfectly. The toy occupies the corner of the alcove beneath writing on the window, live music starting at 7 p.m., blues and brews for cool kids only. Switching to a wide shot, I frame the entire entryway, capturing the silhouettes of patrons inside. I pull open one of the glass doors, prompting the chime of bells, and step into a slender hallway. Tables and chairs occupy space on each side, and the fireman's pole descends from the ceiling, adjacent to a winding iron staircase. Air conditioning ruffles a stack of napkins on the bar counter. The bartender looks up. He brushes a floppy curtain of black hair from his eyes. Welcome to Four Alarm. Get you a table? I shake my head and lift my camera in response. He returns a confused smile before someone calls him from down the bar. I snap a photo of the dining area. The light streaming through the tall bay windows looks better suited to a church. Peaceful. After a few more clicks, I check my phone. Shit. Janessa has already texted me twice. Where are you? And coming? I'm at the coffee shop. Another glance at the penguin outside makes my skin feel grimy, like I'm back in the cramped, musty tomb of my birth, and now all I want to do is go home and take a shower. Why does seeing a stuffed toy feel so visceral? This year marks the 20th anniversary of our escape, and I'm probably on edge because of it. I text a reply. Sorry for the late notice, but the interview went well. I need to prep for tomorrow. Can we reschedule? Asking to borrow money from my holier-than-everyone sister can wait for a day when my ghosts aren't clawing to the surface. The door chime sounds as I exit the brewery, while the bartender's voice trails me onto the sidewalk. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much for reading for us today. Welcome to the show, Elle. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. Elle, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? Oh my goodness. Um, Ideal conditions, my big dreams. Let's see. A quiet house. (laughs) Hmm. Um, Quiet, enclosed space um, and lots of Reese's peanut butter cups. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I'm being honest. How do you nurture your creativity? That's a great question because, it, you know, I think the truth of the matter is it's different for everyone. And me personally, um, I feel nurtured when I consume creative forms, like creative forms of art. So um, I guess I nurture my own creativity when I'm reading, when I'm reading books, Um, But also when I'm consuming TV shows or movies, I find inspiration um, in all forms of art and plays and performances and, you know, music as well. Like really anything that 
anything that showcases someone's passion for their art form really inspires me and in turn causes me to ask questions my, to myself about what what gets me that excited or am I this excited about my current work in progress or, you know, um, I take inspiration from all forms of creativity that crosses my path. What is your best writing tip? Um, I think the, uh, that's a, another great question because <laughs> I'm always looking for those too. Um, <laughs> I think the, uh, prevailing idea is to write every day. Um, but I also think it's important to give yourself breaks. Um, as writers, we can just, I mean, it can be tempting to think if I just go, go, go every day, then I'll, I'll, you know, get the end product that I want. But, um, the truth is to really find balance and to give yourself a break. I think so your ideas can kind of, uh, settle and ripen. What about editing and revising tips? Oh, I actually, um, (laughs) I love, I think taking a break is so important in order to edit and revise. If you don't have distance, um, if I personally don't have distance from my work, I cannot objectively look at it. Yeah. Um, I just heard of someone else recently, an author I know that reads her manuscript backwards out loud. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which just struck me as in- incredibly impressive. And then also um, I uh, not feasible for me personally. Um, as I mentioned earlier, having a quiet house and enclosed space is like really my ideal way of writing. And I, I don't get that very often. So reading an entire manuscript backwards and out loud um, just struck me as a new form of dedication. <laughs> No kidding. Dedication to craft. Yeah. So some people can do that. I <laughs> I recommend <laughs> taking breaks, um, taking a couple weeks off and then returning to your manuscript with fresh eyes. That's my editing tip. tip. What would you say is your biggest writing challenge right now? I am currently editing my third book and my biggest challenge would be to find time between uh, you know, between this work in progress and thinking about the next work in progress, I have so many ideas and I just want to attack all of them at once. But of course that's, that's not good for anyone. What do you do when you're trying to overcome a block? I go on a walk. I think it's very strange, but true that, um, alternating physical activity with more mental cerebral activity like writing or plotting or editing um, is really beneficial. Uh, If I have a writer's block or I have a block in some plot that I'm writing, I will go on a walk and just talk it out loud, talk the problem out loud. Mm. Um, And usually by the end of a 20 or 30 minute walk, I will have some kind of clarity. I'll know either an adjacent solution to that problem or I'll figure out that problem. I don't know what it is. You know, walking has consistently been one of the most popular suggestions lately from writers. Really? I bet you it's, I mean, maybe it's something to do with the pandemic too. People Mm. being generally more inside. Yeah. Tell me about the relationship between your physical and mental health and your writing. Mm, That's another good question. I think um, so much 
of myself is my physical and mental health and emotional health. They're all intertwined, right? Like we're not, Mm -hmm. we don't exist um, compartmentalized. And so I think everything affects um, the other. Um, If we don't have that balance, it's very hard for me to um, execute across all those levels. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with publishing your work? Yeah, I wrote for a long time for just myself. And then I decided I wanted to try and write for other people. <laughs> so um, I worked really hard on a manuscript that I believed in, um, even though it took me a lot of a lot of time and many, many, many revisions. Um but I kept at it because I, I felt very strongly that if, if this was a story of my heart, this is a story that I need to write. Surely there must be other people that would benefit from reading it or that need to read it. Um, just in the sense that there are books that I needed to read at certain points in my life or that, mm-hmm. you know, benefited me for some aspect of my, my life. Um, and so I kept going because I thought, surely if I'm this passionate about it, someone else might enjoy it. Um, and so after five years of working on it, I, um, it became my debut novel, The Missing Sister, which published this last year um, in 2020. And um, I wrote it by myself um, and with the very generous support of the Twitter writing community, meaning they kind of, that writing community kind of uplifted me at times when I felt isolated or alone or like this would never get published. Mm. Um, and then uh, through a Twitter writing contest, DV Pitt, um, I ended up signing with my agent, Jill Marr, of the Sandra Dixtra Literary Agency, um, who's just a total powerhouse. I'm so lucky to have her. And then thereafter, we found um, my publisher, Thomas Mercer of Amazon Publishing, and my amazing editor, Mega Prick. So um, it was, I mean, a long journey. And yet not as long as others and yet much longer than still others. So it was, um, I learned a lot. I will say that I, during those five years between beginning the first page of the missing sister and having it published, um, I became a much better writer. And I think if I had been, I had some close calls where actually I ended up, I was offered a publishing contract for a version of that. And I, I turned it down because it just wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to produce in the world at that point. Um, and so I think everything for me, all of the rejections and the different revisions and the crazy subplots, my, that book went off on at certain points in its um, evolution, were all um, working together toward its ultimate success. And when I say success, I mean, you know, published by a publisher I love and with the support of a literary agent I love. So it all worked out. Who are one or two other women writers or creators we should be aware of right now? Ooh, I um, would love to recommend Georgina Cross. Her debut, The Stepdaughter, also came out last year, and it is a very taut domestic suspense. Um, I loved this book um, because uh, what well, was so fun to follow her multiple um, POV chapters to determine what indeed happened to the title character, the stepdaughter, um, you know, where she is. And the, then to also follow an adjacent mystery in the neighborhood 
um, I have generally written The Missing Sister and Lies We Bury um, are both kind of oriented around serial killers um, or yeah, that, that genre, but not police procedurals. And so I love escaping into domestic suspense, which is, um, is just really fun to get to know a certain, you know, cast of characters within a block radius or a, a town, a town radius. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stepdaughter really does that. We really delve into this world. And I felt like these characters were so well written. I felt like they were my friends <laughs> in real life. Um, like I could identify them among my friends without um, the shenanigans that these characters go on. Mm-hmm. But um, they were just so written that I immediately, and so accessible that I immediately just identified with um, them as they were searching for the truth of these um, neighborhood mysteries or unsolved instances. So um, it was a really just, it's a great read, really engrossing. And her writing is so crisp. I just really enjoyed um, Georgina Cross's debut. And then I, I actually have her second book, which is already published, Missing Woman. And I'm looking forward to getting into that soon. And where can listeners find you online? I am on Instagram at Elmar Author and uh, Facebook at Elmar Author. And then also I'm active on Twitter, as I said earlier, at Elmar underscore. So kind of everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting the prompt at the top of your page, and free writing whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. Here's Elle. Currently, I'm reading A Good Family by A.H. Kim. It's a domestic suspense with some twists, and it really examines what it's like when Circumstances force the facade of being a good family to fall away. My writing prompt is, write a scene in which a long-held secret is revealed over a meal. Is the meal symbolic of the secret? How do your characters digest this new information while consuming their food? Do they even continue eating at all? Or do the utensils they clutch remain tools of nourishment or become weapons? The Lies We Bury was released on the 1st. I've put a link to buy it in the show notes. I have a copy that Elle sent me sitting on my desk right now, and I'm going to be giving it away this week. You can enter to win by leaving the podcast a five-star review on your favorite platform and screenshotting the published review and DMing me the pic. I'm excited to mail the book out to one of you. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at FierceWomenWriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.